electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, they're young, rich, and running wild. We're just having fun. Here, you want some pills? Here's some pills. You want to smoke some weed? Here's some weed, you know? A group of Florida teens stumble into an unlikely career. Drug lords. They wanted them, we had them, and they would pay whatever for them. And what they lack in experience, they make up for in creativity. We would slice the back of the teddy bear, stuff it with cash. They were clever. Stupid clever, but clever. But the good times don't last long, as the feds infiltrate their drug ring. I know we both want to make money, so the number one thing we got to do is just keep flow going. They were getting reckless. And when the hammer comes down, it's every man for himself. I knew we were in some deep trouble. And when they handed down the sentences, I begged the judge. It's almost as if you just die. You just cry. That is why American Greed is here today, because it was American Greed. It's the summer of 2009 in magnificent Tampa, Florida. Lance Barabbas is throwing a rager. The 21-year-old invites dozens of friends to his luxury condo in the city's upscale Channel District. He said, I'm going to throw a party. It's going to be all exclusive. Wild, a lot of women, a lot of friends. The party has the ingredients to fuel a young man's wildest fantasy. Girls in bikinis, booze, and plenty of drugs. Kegerators, uh, Jägermeister machines, little butler trays with a pile of cocaine on it. He had bought like an ounce of cocaine. There was pills and weed and it was crazy. Later that evening, Lance has a special surprise for his party guests. You know, he decides to pull out a backpack full of money and just starts dumping it on the bed. Partygoers say that Lance dumps nearly $100,000 across the mattress. At the time, he was dating a girl, and he had, you know, two of his girl, her girlfriends were in the room, and, you know, that's, you know, they just started getting in their lingerie and just taking pictures. Lance also owns a mini arsenal, AR-15s, an AK-47, and a variety of handguns. The weapons spice up the girls' selfies. Look at these beautiful girls in their underwear with 
tens of thousands of dollars. They can post it on Facebook for all I care, and it's hilarious. The party is a celebration of Lance Barabbas' business success. His startup company brings in tens of thousands of dollars each week. They were on the verge of making millions. They were making tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. They were making, to kids, infinite amounts of money. But Lance's business plan is, of course, illegal. For the past year, he and his friends have been dealing oxycodone pills. In the late 2000s, it's a golden opportunity that Lance Barabbas and his crew are all too happy to exploit. Lance was abusing drugs. He was living like there was no tomorrow. And that's kind of literally how it all went for him. There was no tomorrow. Lance was just waiting to get taken down. The tale of aspiring drug lord Lance Barabbas and his unlikely drug ring begins in Pasco County, Florida, in the small town of Hudson. Though it's located just an hour north of Clearwater Beach, Hudson might as well be a world away from that famous coastline. The last reason Hudson Beach was on the news is because there was a flesh-eating virus in the water. But it's kind of, I would say, a mixture between beachy, coastal, and redneckish. If you weren't at the beach or down, you know, on the bow, you're at the mud hole. Landon Barabbas is the middle child of the three Barabbas siblings. His baby brother Lance is two years younger. Lance was always skinny and kind of the runt, so football wasn't, you know, his thing. When he got into high school and got introduced to wrestling, that's where he really excelled. You know, and Lance and I have a special bond because we've known each other and, you know, we've been through a lot together. Doug Dodd is good friends with Lance and knows the other Barabbas boys, including the oldest brother, Larry, through the wrestling team. Here they are in a high school team photo. Another pal, Richard Sullivan, rounds out the tight-knit crew. I met them at Hudson High in ninth grade. We all wrestled together. They were kind of just wise-cracking privilege, I would say. The Barabbas family is well-known in Hudson. The boy's mother, Lisa, runs a homeless shelter called Holy Ground. She actually raises her kids in the facility. I thought raising them here was good. I was giving them the Christian background. They always had to go to church. Lance was always gonna grow up and be a pastor. He used to carry his little Bible and be all dressed up in a little suit. It was unique. It was different. Always stuff going on. I got to learn a lot about people and, you know, all walks of life. Despite appearances, the family is financially secure. Lisa receives a generous insurance settlement when her husband, the boy's stepfather, is tragically killed in a car accident in August 2000. 
So my mom, she always provided for us. We always got to, you know, shop for the clothes that we wanted. I mean, they all had brand new vehicles. Ford Lightnings, jacked up Dodge Rams with, you know, 36 inch lifts on them and, and all that. In contrast to the boys' relative comfort, in the late 2000s, many residents of the Hudson area are struggling. Florida was ground zero of the prescription pain pill epidemic. You know, they, they were very abundant down here. Roxycodone and oxycodone pills, Roxy's and Oxy's, flow freely in the state. At the time, the pills are largely unregulated. Doctors prescribe the painkillers for a variety of ailments. These pill mills, these um, strip mall so-called medical centers, where you had doctors who were seeing patients for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and issuing prescriptions. A guy walks in, doc, I'm in pain, here you go. There was no other state like this in Florida. There was more pain management clinics than there was McDonald's, you, you know? In Florida in 2008, 10 times more prescriptions were provided by doctors for pain medication than the rest of the country combined. So how is that possible? How can that be? Doug Dodd says the pills are widely abused especially among teens looking for a quick and easy high. Roxycodone was more of the drug of choice. Roxy's was more so the quick, break it up, snort it, you're good, where Oxy's had like a little coating on it. We liked it. And once we started experimenting, it was, you know, we were hooked. He says the pills are common at parties. Wild nights and fun times. You know, we'd roll up to a house and in one of their big trucks, and you know, we'd have a keg on the back, and we'd just have a pocket full of pills. And that was the party. In addition to fueling a good time, the pills provide a unique business opportunity. Dodd says a family friend hooks him up with a supplier. He says he makes up to $5,000 a month selling the drugs. The money that I made from the pills was very motivating. You know, I made more money in, in the flip of a finger than I made working 40 hours a week at a restaurant. Landon Barabbas is in college when opioids are securing their grip on his hometown. He's a wrestler at Cumberland University in Lebanon, Tennessee. He attends the school on a scholarship but is sidelined with a knee injury. I ended up actually having three knee surgeries, and through the course of that, accompanied with what was going on back home, is when I started getting into pain pills, mainly the Roxy's. Over Christmas break in 2007, Landon is back home in Florida visiting his friends and family. One day, while kicking back with his buds, inspiration strikes. There was conversations amongst us between me, Lance, and his brother Landon. One thing led to another and we started talking about it. While oxy pills are abundant in Florida, 
They're less common in Tennessee, where Landon goes to school. The market was there, supply and demand. Roxy's are generally 30 milligrams. In Florida, Dodd says the pills are priced around eight to 10 bucks when bought in bulk. Up in Tennessee, they're going for, you know, 15 to 20 to 25. If you buy a bunch of them, they're going for $30 for a single for one pill. Oxy-80s are even more valuable. The 80-milligram pills can be had for $20 in the Sunshine State. If you go to Tennessee, you're paying up to $80 for one single pill. The boys seek to capitalize on the market's inefficiency. We ended up sending some back up there with Landon, and from that day on, it just spread like a wildfire. It's the whole basis of American capitalism. The kids saw a good trade. In early 2008, brothers Lance and Landon Barabbas, Doug Dodd, and their friend Richard Sullivan embark upon their new business opportunity. The boys are going to be drug distributors, shipping oxy pills from Florida to Tennessee. The drugs are extremely popular and profitable in the volunteer state. Tennessee was the cash cow, yep. That's it. They wanted them, we had them, and they would pay whatever for them. At Cumberland University, Landon Barabbas is friends with a wrestling teammate named Justin Knox. Not only were we in around the same weight class, but he kind of, how would you say it, had like the same personality as me. Justin Knox is from the city of Knoxville. Doug Dodd says Knox becomes the crew's point man in Tennessee. He was the main distributor up there, so Landon would keep a certain amount of the pills, and then, you know, they would go to Justin, or Justin would pass them on to his guy, and they just got divided up. There was just always an abundance of pills, you know, just a lot, a lot of pills. But before there's profit to be made, the guys need to figure out a way to safely transport the pills. Hiring a driver to make the 600-mile trip is the first option. They had it all figured out. He'd bring a girl with him most of the time and drive a not very suspicious vehicle. He'd drive down, bring the money. We'd give him the stuff. He'd stay overnight, leave the next day. But the trip is perilous. Just one traffic stop, and the Enterprise is in jeopardy. The problem with it is they needed more and more. You know, things needed to happen fast, and they needed more. To limit their exposure and keep up with demand, the crew devises an alternate plan. One day, while perusing the aisles at a pharmacy, they make a surprising discovery. We read the vitamin section, and Lance, thinking in his head, Vitamin C is the same size as the Roxy 30. Vitamin B12 is the same size as the Oxy 80s. The vitamin bottles are the perfect disguise. So he buys, you know, four or five bottles of the vitamin C, four or five bottles of the other vitamin. We get back to the apartment and he dumps them out. And then we would fill the bottles with Oxys and Roxys and then we would glue the seal back on put the cap back on, screw it, and then put them into a care package. 
Care packages are mailed to Tennessee a few times each week. And we go to our local UPS or FedEx one way, overnight it, and it gets there the next day. Each shipment is worth tens of thousands of dollars. Well, if they were Oxy 80s, so $60,000 package. Each package was different. They could have a couple thousand pills in it. They could have two or 300 pills in it. The Roxy 30s, they're the little, so you know you could send a thousand, two thousand of those easily. So you're talking 36 down. To move that much cash back to Florida, the boys once again get creative. Profits were shipped back in teddy bears. They'd slice the back of the teddy bear, stuff it with cash, and then mail the teddy bears back majority of the time. I remember one time FedEx rings a bell and Lance gets a package and it's a brown teddy bear and we unzip the back and stuff full of hundreds and fifties is about $50,000, $60,000 cash stuffed in this teddy bear. To keep up with demand, the Florida crew is tasked with increasing the supply of pills. We just started reaching out to other people and networking, and I had one guy that actually turned me on to the whole doctor shopping process. He was going to five different doctors, and I just started getting all of his prescriptions. We would pay for them to go to the doctors, fill all their prescriptions, and in return, they would sell us their pills at a, you know, extremely low cost. But one of the best ways to get pills is with your own prescription. Through the junky grapevine, the guys learn how to fake a back injury. Then we knew a couple guys that told us about putting pressure on your spine when you lay in the MRI. When the MRI came back, he said that I had a bulging disc in my back, and that's all we needed. Basically, and all the doctor needed was a sufficient MRI to cover his own ass in order to write those prescriptions for you. According to their medical files, this group of chiseled wrestlers might as well be Florida retirees. So when I first walked in there, 18 years old at 125 pounds, and I walk out of there with 240 rock decodones. It was like a golden ticket. I went back to my doctor's the next month and walked out of there with like 500 pills. So within the 30-day period, I got like 700 pills. It was absolutely mind-blowing. Despite their secret lives as aspiring drug lords, Doug Dodd, the Barabbas brothers, and their friends appear to be typical college students. Doug keeps a regular class load at a local community college. I didn't plan on it being long-term. My goal was, you know, get in, get out. I was still going to school and, and trying to maintain somewhat of a normal life. But unlike most college students, these guys are flush with cash. I would say anywhere from $50,000, $60,000 a month each. It was a lot of money. Just what does a college student do with that much money? Exactly what you'd expect. To be honest, just dumb stuff. 
party every night, every night, you know. We went to all the UFC fights that were around. We went to football games, hockey games, baseball games. You know, we all had four-wheelers and dirt bikes and boats and jet skis and new trucks. We went to the Super Bowl in 09. And we had frontline seats. We paid all exclusive paths, you know, walked the field, met the players. Doug Dodd says he tries to maintain a modest lifestyle. He keeps a relatively low profile and lives with his grandmother. My goal was, at first it was to save, you know, $100,000 and then was to save, you know, $250,000. This was basically, it was seed capital for a better life. You know, it was saving to buy a house, saving to start a business. Lance Barabbas is more ambitious. Lance was gonna live large. Lance was Scarface. He's the guy in the group that has no boundaries. Lance's nickname is The Little General. His friends say he lives up to the title and is considered the crew's leader. Lance is a type A personality, very outspoken, speaks what's on his mind. Loud, can be crazy, obnoxious, He's the guy that stirs the drink. You know, he's the guy that makes things go. Lance takes full advantage of his financial windfall. One of his first big purchases is the truck of his dreams, a tricked-out red Ford Lightning. We walk into this dealership, so we go inside, do all the paperwork, and he's like, all right, how are you going to be paying it? He's like, cash. I think like $25,000 in cash. Rubber bands wrapped around each individual thousand dollars, and uh, pulled it out of his, you know, little Louis Vuitton bag and slapped it on the table, and we began counting it out. The guy's like, you know, what are you, some kind of male exotic dancer? And he's like, something like that. Lance rents a half million dollar condo in Tampa's Channelside district. It was just like a little pad, sexy, got money. And it was just right below the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There was other professional football players that lived there. The guys are regulars on Tampa's nightlife scene. They say Lance leads the way. We'd party all night, bring everybody to VIP. I mean, he'd spend thousands of dollars on a bar tab, paid for anybody to come up there. He went out religiously every single night, you know, whether it's at a bar or a strip club. He would spend the money faster than he'd make it. But Dodd says Lance is getting out of control. He's worried that his friend is bringing unneeded attention to their business affairs. He would invite people over when he's got his money counter out and he's counting $40,000. Doug would get furious with Lance because he'd say, are you an idiot? Don't do this. And Lance would say, dude, we're not gonna get caught. And the way we're not gonna get caught is because we're too smart. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. 
FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Throughout 2008, the boys' business grows at a rapid pace. Operations expand to other states. Tennessee, Alaska, New York. We had a guy that would go to Carolina. In Alaska, they went up to $100 for one pill. But in December 2008, the first crack appears in the enterprise. While at college in Tennessee, Landon Barabbas is busted with a care package. I go over to the mailroom and I pick a package, I walk outside, get in my truck, and the local uh, narcotics officers are there. Landon is arrested and charged with possession. The next day, he's kicked out of school. He says Lance is unnerved by his arrest and helps pay the $15,000 to bond him out. As soon as I got arrested, Lance, he shut everything down. But it only lasted like a few weeks, maybe. And he went right back to mailing packages. In addition to his legal woes, Landon has another problem. He's addicted to the pills. He goes to rehab, but it doesn't stick. I was there 21 days, but I think like after the fifth day, I had some pills brought to me, snuck in. So I wasn't ready to stop. The little general eventually boots Landon from the family business. Landon says, I'm cutting you off. You're no longer having to deal with anything. He started saying that I'm too messed up, partying too hard, calling me a junkie and stuff like that. You need to get help. With Landon out of the picture, Friends say Lance turns to his oldest brother to pick up the slack. And that's when Larry actually got involved because Landon and Lance separated. Larry basically became Lance's personal chauffeur and they were hanging out every day, driving him around, doing whatever errands Lance needed to do. In June 2009, the crew suffers another setback when Justin Knox, their main distributor in Tennessee, encounters his own problems. Knox lives in a high-rise apartment in downtown Knoxville, but his neighbors are annoyed by his constant activities. A neighbor called the police and said that there was a strong odor of marijuana coming from his apartment. I think this was a, a, a recurring problem. So the Knoxville Police Department drug unit went down there to investigate it. Michael Gettings is one of the officers on the scene. When we knocked on the door, Mr. Knox appeared to be under the influence of marijuana at the time. The officers get a warrant to search the apartment. They hit the jackpot. They found MDMA and marijuana, steroids, Oxycontin, money, guns, a money counting machine. They knew they were onto something pretty big. And then we also found uh, what we believe to be a drug ledger uh, with the prices that individuals had owed to Mr. Knox for the pills that he had sold to him. Justin Knox is arrested, but once again, Lance isn't concerned. Lance is like, don't worry about it. 
Everything's okay. I'm flying up there tomorrow. We're gonna have it taken care of. But they did have something to worry about. Justin Knox is facing multiple felony charges and agrees to cooperate with authorities. He strikes a plea deal and the charges against him are eventually dropped. The Barabbases say Knox informs them that his buddy, Dustin Wallace, AKA D-Boy, will now be their main contact in Tennessee. Business was still the same, but he was to deal with D-Boy directly and D-Boy would figure out the shipments, where they go and things like that. Unbeknownst to Lance, DEA agents are watching D-Boy's every move. Agents say Dustin Wallace makes most of his drug deals at a shopping mall on Knoxville's west side. We could see Dustin Wallace's apartment from the roof of the parking garage at the mall. And we could watch Dustin ride over to the mall and meet with a car. Authorities place a wiretap on Wallace's phone. They quickly learn where the pills are coming from. You're hearing a whole lot of a few people. You know, I, I listen to Lance Brabus a lot. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. In the summer of 2009, federal authorities in Tennessee are closing in on the drug ring. Phone taps provide a wealth of information. Most of the good evidence was when you would hear Lance talking to people like Dustin Wallace and coaching him through how he needs to sell the pills and move them quickly um, in order to make profit. I know we both want to make money. I just gotta, I gotta, like, you make money when you get in your hand, and I make money when I give you. So the number one thing we gotta do is just keep flow going. You know what I mean? Like, keep, oh, yeah. keep, keep, keep going. He was constantly on him to, to move product and get money collected and get that money back. If I stop your then I'm, you know what I mean? We gotta do everything and all means to try to keep it going as best we can. Agents tracked the group's shipments from Florida to Tennessee. On one afternoon, they witnessed Dustin Wallace personally pick up a package of pills. Dustin Wallace was coming to the FedEx location in Knoxville to pick up a package. And I actually stood in the back and watched and videoed through a window as he came to the counter to get his package. After several months of surveillance, federal authorities acquired enough evidence of the crew's criminal activities. I could feel it. I could feel it closing in. On October 20th, 2009, the United States government indicts 14 members of what is called the Barabbas Criminal Enterprise. The crew is charged with conspiracy to distribute oxycodone. Doug Dodd, Richard Sullivan, Dustin Wallace, and all three Barabbas brothers are also charged with money laundering. The feds say the group moves, at a minimum, $1.2 million in drugs. 
This one is unique. It was almost like we caught it in its infancy. You know, in one sense, if they were really business people instead of kids, this thing could have been huge. Arrests soon follow. Doug Dodd is asleep at his grandmother's house when DEA agents arrive. They came and got me at like 5.30 in the morning. And I wake up to boom, 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 my doorbell. I wake up to my dog going crazy. Lance Barabbas is a student at the University of South Florida in Tampa. He's pledging a fraternity when he's greeted by Special Agent Poston. He had an all-night retreat, and they had just ended at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I think he'd been being hazed all night and was exhausted. And when he walked out of the fraternity house, we put him on the ground and arrested him. Of course that's how he gets arrested, because you have to do things Scarface style, even if it's teenager, the teen version of it. Landon Barabbas is arrested at his mother's homeless shelter. And all of a sudden, there's just a few vehicles pull in, you know, unmarked. And of course, at that point, I was kind of shocked. Then they tell her, both of your other sons have been arrested this morning as well. And she you know, was freaking out, crying and hysterically. Rather than go to trial, 13 of the 14 defendants take guilty pleas. Doug Dodd anxiously awaits his fate. Yeah, I just had a million thoughts going on in my head. You know, I was, I was a nervous wreck. He's sentenced to six and a half years in prison after pleading guilty to conspiracy to distribute oxycodone and conspiracy to commit money laundering. All three Barabbas brothers, Richard Sullivan and Dustin Wallace, plead guilty to the same charges. Before her sons are sentenced, Lisa Barabbas Henry says the judge personally addresses her in the courtroom. He said, I have never, ever had a mother come before me and all her children being sentenced at one time, the same crime. I just cried. I cried, had a seat, and waited for the sentence. There's nothing else to do. There's no one to scream at. There's no one to blame. Larry Barabbas gets seven years. Landon gets six years. As part of his plea deal, authorities dropped the earlier possession charges against Landon. Baby brother Lance Barabbas gets the biggest sentence of them all, 15 years, or as they say in court, 180 months. Lance thinks it's funny. He said, Mom, there was such a pause when you guys uh, sent down my sentence. Like five minutes later, you all start crying. And we had to make a joke because when you think a hundred and some odd months is in into years. After two years of wild adventures, the members of the Barabbas criminal enterprise now find themselves behind bars. They say the experience is sobering. I mean, it was, it was a big, I would say, maturing process in a sense. You have a lot of time to learn who you truly are. I will say that, you know, my 80-month sentence, I feel was, you know, I don't want to say fair, but I feel like it was, it was just in a sense. 
I mean, yeah, I was wrong. I, you know, I made a mistake, but yeah, I, I didn't really classify myself as being, you know, one of those hardcore criminals. All the fun times and the parties and the money and the things that we were able to do and buy, none of it was worth it. Doug Dodd says he tries to make the most of his incarceration. I went in gun blazing on any educational material I could get, like a certification and keyboard and business communications. I learned a second language, Spanish. I took several public speaking classes, real estate classes, business investing classes. He eventually puts pen to paper and documents his life as a teenage drug dealer. The idea came to me to write a book when I continuously seen the prescription pain pill epidemic and newspaper after newspaper and magazine after magazine. Dodd says he realizes his crew is just one piece of the nation's opioid problem. It just blew my mind. The interaction we had with the doctors and the interactions we had with the pharmacists, it just it pissed me off and I needed an outlet. He reaches out to journalist Guy Lawson, who is intrigued by his tale. One of the things I'm always looking for is a new prism to understand events. And Doug provided that. I, I learned a lot about oxycodone, a lot about big pharma. In April 2015, Lawson's story runs in Rolling Stone magazine. They were like uh, sort of the redneck reflection of something that was deeply wrong in America and that was to this day plagues the country. In the years since, it's become evident that the problem is much, 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 much bigger than a bunch of kids and a wrestling team making some money. The story strikes a chord with readers. Within two weeks of the article being published, we had a film deal. And we had, you know, Ansel Elgort that reached out and he's, you know, one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Doug Dodd is released from prison in August 2015. In 2017, his own book, Generation Oxy, is published. While he waits for his story to hit the silver screen, he spends his days speaking to patients at drug treatment centers. I had, if you love yourself, you're not gonna put toxic things in your body. I feel like I have a story and I wanna share it. I feel like I have a unique opportunity but I think he's still young, he's got a lot of ambition, and he wants to, some good to come out of this. As for the Barabbas brothers, Landon and Larry are also out of prison and trying to make lives for themselves on the right side of the law. Landon is now a small business owner with a family, but his felony drug past is never far behind him. Addiction is a struggle, a daily struggle something that I have to battle internally and deal with. Meanwhile, Lance Barabbas is the only member of the criminal enterprise who remains behind bars. He's scheduled to get out in 2022. In an exclusive interview with American Greed, Barabbas talks about his reputation as a teenage drug lord. You know, not almost nine years in the prison now. So I guess it would, I guess it would all boil down to uh, uh, just being dumb. 
and I didn't even look to the future. Like it was like almost in a sense that I was just living in the moment. He says the easy money was intoxicating. Because the money turns into uh, fake power, and then you think that you know everything and think that you're on top of the world, and you really don't know nothing. You're really just a young kid trying to learn everything, you know? His addiction to the pills is another factor. Being a young kid and being addicted to uh, a powerful drug that totally consumed my everyday function and then made me make decisions and led me into a lifestyle that eventually got me 15 years in prison. With plenty of time to reflect, Barabbas says he regrets his actions. 100% guilt, 100% guilt on my part for everything. My actions made it grow to what it was because I was just, you know, so uh, hard-headed and so persistent on just, you know, doing it my way and get it bigger and do more, do more, do more. They put their heads together and decided on a way to make money and they knew it was illegal. They were all knowing participants in this conspiracy. There was no accident to how they got put in jail. They conspired to do this. Doug Dodd doesn't dispute this, but provides a warning. If Americans didn't have such a craving for opioids, their business would never have made so much money. I think it was bound to happen. And if it wasn't us, if it wasn't me and my friends, it would have been another group of individuals that got addicted to the medication, the drug, and began selling it. Because at the end of the day, if you want to get high, you're going to get high. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.